peace of our Lord be with you. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to Peter, not seven times, but 77 times. Every three years, the lectionary places in the path of the church throughout the world those words from today's gospel lesson. And every time they roll back around, they remind us of the spirit of forgiveness which followers of Jesus are called to embody. The kind of forgiveness which never keeps score, but always gives grace. The grace which has come down to us from God, going out through us to others, including those who have wronged us which, needless to say, is more difficult in some circumstances than in others. Because the truth is, some people have more to forgive than others. Which is why the church must always take great care never to speak smoothly, easily, or glibly concerning the subject of forgiveness, but always rather the church must speak as carefully and truthfully as the church can concerning the complexity of forgiveness. On the one hand, we are called to forgive others as fully and freely as God has forgiven us. That is clearly the point of the parable in this morning's gospel lesson. That much is clear. On the other hand, for those who have been the victims of life-changing injustice or violence, there are clear judgments which must be made before honest forgiveness can be given. Because if clear judgment is never made about violence, injustice, oppression, 
manipulation, discrimination, deception, and other such sin, then things will never change because responsibility will never be taken, amends will never be made, and grace will become a license for those who do the worst to get away with the most, which is why while we must not have judgment without grace, we cannot have grace without judgment. The longer I live, the more I know that sometimes the only way to stand up for the people Jesus would stand up for if Jesus was here is to stand up against the things Jesus would stand up against if Jesus was here. It is that convergence of grace on the one hand and judgment on the other which can sometimes make forgiveness the most complex of all the spiritual disciplines. Especially for those who have the most to forgive. I myself speak as one who so far in my life has had very little to forgive. I'm sort of like uh, that person in Marilyn Robinson's novel, Gilead, who said, you could knock me down the stairs on purpose and I would have worked out the theology for forgiving you before I hit the bottom. <laughs> but that may be more a commentary on the ease of my life than the depth of my faith. <laughs> I've been so rarely wronged in my life that I hardly have any grounds upon which even to offer a sermon on the subject of forgiveness. With that disclaimer, I will tell you what I do know. I turned uh, 62 last Sunday, and this is one of those things that it has taken me all my life up to now to learn. But one thing I have learned about forgiveness is this. 
the longer we stay on the path to depth, and when I say the path to depth, I mean staying open to the Holy Spirit and living a life of daily prayer. The longer we stay open to the Holy Spirit and live a life of daily prayer, what I call the path to depth, the longer we stay on the path to depth, the more our wounds become something like a sadness. And once that happens, in my experience, questions about whether we're going to forgive or not forgive honestly cease to matter very much. Instead, on those occasions when we do think about whatever it was that happened that hurt us, it may make us feel sad. But those questions about will we or won't we forgive which were once so loud and large, have somehow largely disappeared into what I call the gray layer of life. That quiet, gray, grief layer of life, where all of our sadnesses eventually settle including whatever we once needed to forgive. Now, down there in the gray layer, with all the rest of our sorrows and sadnesses and disappointments, which is a kind of letting go that can bring real healing to our lives. But even as that phrase, letting go, leaves my lips, I know how quickly and immediately that phrase alone returns us to the complexity of forgiveness. For one thing, if you have been wronged and you're still being wronged and you don't know how it's going to end and all of the pain is still out there and some of it is still to come, it's hard to know if it's time to let go. That is its own complexity. In my very early years in the pastorate, I was called to a home at, I don't know, midnight, 1 a.m., to an elderly husband and wife. 
whose son-in-law in a rage had literally physically kicked in their door, taken the butt of a rifle and struck the husband and this family in the forehead and, and then left threatening to come back and they called me and, and I was sitting on their couch in this little home with this dear couple and they were literally still changing rags, pressing them to his forehead. They're both long dead now. This was 30 years ago, I guess, or more. I'll never forget holding the rag to his head. The man looked at me and said, Preacher, I don't think I can forgive him yet. And I said, Gordon, the blood has not dried. Our job now is to get some help call the authorities, fix the door, and decide what we're going to do if he comes back. There will be time for us to work on the rest. Isn't forgiveness the most complex of all spiritual disciplines? When and how do we let go? And, and then, of course, let's, let's just be as honest as we're capable of being. Not everyone wants to let go of their wound. Because our wounds give us so much power over those who wounded us. And that kind of leverage can be hard to relinquish. And as if all that complexity wasn't complex enough, there is also the inescapable fact and truth that over the course of a lifetime, we are all going to find ourselves on both sides of the forgiveness equation sometimes needing to forgive and sometimes needing to be forgiven. All of us, every last one of us. Uh, or as the king said to the servant in this morning's parable, after all I forgave you, you could not forgive someone else. A gentle reminder for us all that not only have we all been wronged somewhere along the way, but somewhere along the way we have all also done wrong. Which means that we all need both to be forgiven and to forgive. To breathe in grace and to breathe out grace. To breathe in mercy and to breathe out mercy. Needless to say, it isn't that simple the life of forgiveness to which we are called is infinitely more complex than a simple breathing exercise. And yet the truth is, breathing in and breathing out is how we go through life's most painful moments 
and difficult conflicts. Breathing in healing love from God and breathing out healing love to others. Breath by breath and day by day until that far off glad someday finally comes when all the wrong that has been done to us and all the wrong which has been done by us will both at last be equally lost in the bottomless well of the judgment and grace of God before whom, as Paul said in this morning's passage, we shall all someday stand to give an account for our own lives. Amen.